0: Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Amen. We are talking this month about living with eternity in view. Living with eternity in view. And uh, a little interesting this morning, I want to talk to you about the unhappy Caterpillar. So I know we've got kids in service today, so this is a little bit more for them adults, but uh, the unhappy Caterpillar. Let me tell you a little story about the unhappy Caterpillar. Uh, There once was a Caterpillar who did not know what he would be. So he spent all of his time without any glee. He looked at all the places he could not go, despite his many legs. His going was slow. He wanted to travel here and there, but he felt that God must not care. HE LOOKED AT ALL THE OTHER CREATURES, THEIR FRAMES, AND THEIR FEATURES. CAN YOU TELL him A HAD a OF young, YOUNG KIDS? WHY WAS HE SO HAIRY AND GREEN? WHAT WAS HIS PURPOSE IN LIFE, AND WHAT COULD IT MEAN? COULD HE BE MORE, AND WHAT WAS HE FOR? SO HE TRIED LIFE THIS WAY AND THAT, BUT HE ONLY FELT MORE PLUMPY AND FAT. THE GRASSHOPPER COULD JUMP, BUT HE FELL WITH A THUMP. THE CRICKET'S SONG RANG AROUND, YET HIS LEGS MADE NO SOUND. HE COULD NOT BUZZ LIKE THE bee, SO THERE HE SAT. In his tree. Poor caterpillar, he was nothing similar. He did not know what he was to be, his purpose and design he could not see. So there he sat, so sad and weary, not knowing this was just temporary. You know, in life we can be overcome with lower living. We can be distracted by all the caterpillar things and not really know uh, what God's design and timing and purpose is uh, for our life. You can be so frustrated that you don't fit in and that you're not like anybody else. And we can go for all the trophies that this life has to offer and try to be like the grasshoppers and try to be like all these other things. But you are not meant to be like the world. Somebody say amen. Uh, You are meant to be who God has called you to be. And so if you find fulfillment in temporary things, you're going to lose that joy, not knowing you were made for more. You can doubt that God is good and faithful when you don't understand that timing and His plan and His purpose. When we don't see what our bodies are really for, we'll begin to join them to other things that we were never meant to join with. And when you can't see God's big picture, uh, you won't begin to value your life in the right way. You won't live with faith and holiness and perseverance. You won't live with that steadfastness, uh, with hope and with joy. And if you're not careful, you can get stuck. Stuck trying to live the caterpillar life. Trying to make this caterpillar life the best it could ever be. And focus on all the wrong things. And just like that little story, uh, you can just be unhappy in your tree. You can get lost in trying to be something that is only temporary and really not part of the full plan of God. You can get stuck not growing, not looking ahead, not holding on to, and not pressing on to what we will be. Somebody say, Amen. amen. So uh, this morning, I want you to think on this Who are you, and who are you becoming? Who are you? And who are you becoming? And here's why. Because who you are now is on the way to who you will be. Who you are right now is on the way to who you will be. And that could be good or bad. But you are on the way to be somebody and something. So who are you? Because who are you is on the way to who you will be. And I think we need to take a moment to examine who am I and is this the person I want to become? Am I on the way to something that God has for me? Am I headed in that direction or am I stuck in this caterpillar life trying to be something that I'm really not meant to be? But whoever you are right now is who uh, you're on the way to be. It's something that's on the way so, look with me in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to talk to you about we are and we will be. So, think about this. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. John says, to an audience who's heard the story of Jesus, he's writing back at the end of his life to his churches who are kind of getting lost... They kind of know the story, but a new generation of Christians has come, and it's kind of old news to them, and there's some conflict in the church, and there's some false teaching and false theology in the church, and so he's reminding them of who they are. Here's what he says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called, what? Children of God. I love this next part. And such we are. Somebody say, we are. I love that. And such... We are. You could be called something and not really be it, but he says, You're called a kid of God, and guess what? You are. You, anybody ever called you a bad name before, and you're like, I'm not that. That's not me. And you got to stand on who you are. Doesn't matter what you're called, but who are you really? He says, You're called a kid of God, and such you actually are. Praise God. He says, For this reason, the world does not know us. We don't fit into that caterpillar life because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Isn't that interesting? He's like, we are the kids of God, but we're not finished growing yet. It's not quite sure what you are going to be. But we know that when he appears, here's what you're going to be. We will be like him because we'll see him just as he is. And everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. And what's the problem today? Uh, Number one is uh, who are you? Who are you? Who am I? You know, the world today is uh, obviously in an identity crisis, especially our younger generations. I think that's the big thing that they're saying, pastors, we should preach about is identity. I mean, from uh, generations before who didn't know God's purpose and plan uh, in creation, they doubt that there's even a God, and we're trying to find that science is going to disprove God. And so we're not even certain of God's plan, God's design and creation. And then you fast forward today, and we're not sure what kind of sports we should be playing or what kind of bathrooms we should be going to because we don't even know who we are. We've lost our identity and really uh, what this whole thing is about. And it's not just the world. It's the church as well. We've begun in the American church to make life about chasing temporary trophies and temporary accolades, and we push our kids into fulfilling their life and all these earthly things, and yet we've forgotten that we're just on the way to something else, that we're not meant to stay here and build up the caterpillar life. We are headed to something much more grand, much more glorious. Amen. Somebody say. "All right." And he says, who you are is a kid of God. And it's not quite certain who you will be. But when we know this, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. Well, here we are in who we're going to be. Uh, There was a problem when John was writing this, and the Apostle Paul, kind of in the the end of uh, Paul's life, and the end of John's life. In the first century there was this thing called the Gnostic problem. It was a theology that developed uh, not really yet in the Bible days. It came after the Bible was written, but the root of it was starting. And here's what it basically said. In Corinth specifically, uh, the Apostle Paul addressed it in his letter to the Corinthians, and they had this something called an over-realized eschatology. Now that doesn't mean anything to you perhaps, but what it means is that eschatology is the study of the end. And they really, they thought, man, when, when it says that I'm raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places, that all that end time stuff has already happened. And they thought that they had finally arrived. They had made it. And Paul's like, well, I wish you had, I had made it with you. He's saying, you think you're everything. And what they believed is that this body was going to decay. This body was going to die. And it didn't really matter what happened to this body because I'm already resurrected with Christ here in my heart. And that's in some sense true. And so what that led to was this liberal way of thinking. And they just said, well, it doesn't matter then if I go to the pagan temples and worship with my pagan friends. And it doesn't matter if I join myself to... Evening times, okay. We got kids in the room, but you know, join yourself to immoral living. Join yourself with to people who's not your spouse. It didn't matter what you do with your body because God really only cares about your spirit, and your spirit's gonna go up to there, and your body's just gonna stay here, decay and die. And Paul rebukes this, and same thing with John the Apostle in his letter. He's saying, guys, you've been hearing false teaching that says it doesn't matter if you sin in the body, so long as you don't sin in the spirit. All right? If you just, you can do kind of whatever you want to do because, in a sense, you're always saved. You can sin, you can do this kind of stuff, and it doesn't matter how you live because God didn't care about the body, the body's going to die. But really, just have this secret knowledge with God and have this secret place with you and God, and it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. And this is what John is writing about. He's telling them it really matters who you are because of who you are. You're going to be. So look with me uh, in 1 John 3 7. Here's what he says Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he's righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose to do what? Destroy the works of the devil. Remember, Paul, he said, Should we sin that grace may abound? Does it matter if we sin? Does it matter who we are now? If we're just focused on that we're going to be something great. You know sometimes this false theology has really come into the modern church. There's a spirit of error today that basically says things like this. It doesn't really matter, don't judge me. That uh, I can do church or Christianity how I want to do it. It doesn't matter if I move in and we have relationship before we're married, because God knows I love this person. It doesn't matter if I can spend my weekends getting a little buzz, watching a few R-rated movies, because Jesus loves me, I saved, got, I did the prayer, I got dunked in the tank, and I can kind of do whatever I want to do, so don't judge me. We're not under the law. You know that? We're not under religious rules anymore. So it doesn't really matter. God loves everybody. Jesus loves everybody. And Jesus is going to, He saved me. And so, He knows I don't have to be perfect. And He doesn't expect me to be perfect. How many heard this theology today? Man, you can just kind of do whatever you want and water it down that grace could abound, is what Paul is saying. It doesn't really matter what you do. But here's what Paul said. He said, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you obey its lusts. Even though you're not under the law, Paul would say, but you're under a higher law. Yeah, you're free from religious rules. That is so true for Christianity. Some of us grew up under doctrines of very strict religious rules, and, and we got out of that. But Paul says there's a greater religious rule, and that is the love of Christ. That is the love of other people. And that's even harder and higher than all the religious rules that man makes. So does it matter what you do? Does it matter who you are? Paul says, yeah. And John says, yeah. They said, God has not just redeemed your spirit, but he's also redeemed your body. He has a plan for you, mind, body, and soul. What does that look like today? What does that look like today? That who you are now is on the way... To who you will be. Paul says this perishable body in 1 Corinthians 15, it is sown in weakness, but God still has a plan for it. It's going to be sown in weakness. It's going to die, but it's going to be transformed in power. And God, it's not like He's just absent. He's like, okay, well, you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter because I've saved you. He's saying, no, who you are matters because it is on the way to who you will be. Who you are now is part of the process to who you're becoming in Jesus Christ. And here's what a lot of Christians to do today is that it doesn't really matter because I'm waiting for when perfection comes. I can just kind of live a mediocre Christian life because when I get dead and then I get alive again in the next age I'll be perfect I'll be the Christian that always loves Jesus. I'll be the guy who wants to praise God for all eternity with the angels. We're going to rock it out. You know, I may not care so much about church attendance and worship now because when I get to heaven, i got all eternity to do that. Come on, is that not a false theology? He said that you might be surprised because if you're not becoming that, you're not on the way to that. Are you hearing me today? Who you are today is on the way to who you will be. So if I can look at your life now and say, who are you? Are you on the way to glory and being with Him for eternity? Or are you actually on the way to something else? Because it matters who you are today. Because you are. Here's the next part. We are. We are. He says, you are, Paul says, the body of Christ. You are joined with Him. So don't join yourself to other things. He tells them, he's like, if, you're, if you are the body of Christ, you're joined with Christ. You are hands and feet. Every one of you, Romans 12, is a member of each one another. So guess what? It affects everything else. How you live your life actually affects how I am. It doesn't make any sense in the American church because we're so individualistic, but in a sense if Christ has a head and He's got two hands and two feet and He's trying to go somewhere but He's got one hand that says, I don't really want to go to church today or do that or be a part of missions giving or or not attend or I don't really want to pray and read my Bible. And He's only got one hand. He's got one hand tied behind His back trying to reach a world. Are you hearing me today? He's saying it matters. You are the body of Christ. You have a holy calling. You are joined heirs with Christ. God has joined you to Himself. So it does matter matter who you are. It does matter what you join your life with. It does matter what you take in your body. It does matter where you spend your time, because you're the body of Christ. And he goes on, Paul says, don't you know, 1 Corinthians, that you are the temples of the Holy Spirit, the temples of the Holy Spirit. He says, you were bought, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, "Uh, you were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. So how should you live? Uh, What is the first word of the Holy Spirit? Holy. Don't you think if the Holy Spirit is in your body what should your life be? Holy. What does the word holy mean? It means set apart, set aside, otherly, not like the rest of the world, not meant for secular purposes. He says, you are the dwelling places of the glory. The Spirit of God has been purchased for you, come to reside in you. So take care of who you are. Are. I hope my kids, as they go to school, they know it doesn't matter what he or she says about them in the lunchroom or at recess because it matters most about what their dad and their mom say about them because they are my kids. Somebody say amen. Don't you understand? He says you are the body of Christ. You are temples, dwelling places, tabernacles, the place that Moses only got to go, the place that the priest only got to go in once a year. God has made that place IN YOU. IN YOU. YOU ARE THE GENERATION THAT ALL THE OLD TESTAMENT SAINTS LOOKED FORWARD TO. YOU'RE LIVING IN THE DAY OF MESSIANIC FULFILLMENT, THE LAST DAYS, THE END DAYS. EVEN DAVID LOOKED FOR THIS DAY. ISAIAH LOOKED FOR THIS DAY. ELIJAH. THEY MEAN, I WISH I COULD LIVE IN 2024 AND BE LIKE ONE OF THOSE PEOPLE AND BE THE LIVING embodiment OF GOD ON THE EARTH. DON'T YOU KNOW WHO YOU ARE? You are not meant to watch Netflix all weekend and binge MTV movies. You are not meant to watch all this stuff and put all this stuff in you. You are not meant to go out and get drunk on the weekends and have sex with other people. You are not meant to do that. You are the temples of the Holy Spirit. You are the bodies of Christ. You are meant for so much more. And he says, guess what you are in John? You are children of God. You're children of God. Of God, And such we are. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. He's, John says, he's, I can't comprehend this love. Because I know what I really was. I know that that I, I know what I am without him. I know what I was. But when I say, such as we are, my gosh, I read that Psalms 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? Who am I to be a kid of God? Who am I and what I've done and said and thought and feel and how I still fail Him? Who am I that He would adopt me under the blood of Jesus and join me with Christ and make me His dwelling place? I am. Sometimes you just wake up in the morning and say, I'm God's kid, devil. I'm God's kid. I don't have to live in caterpillar living. I'm not on this earth to stay here and make the best of it. I'm headed to bigger things. I'm headed to greater things. We can't comprehend this. Love. But what do children do? They grow up. Who do children grow up into? Hopefully you. <laughs> Hopefully, not the world. Don't you want your kid to be you? Well, maybe not. Mom, dad, do you want your kid to be like you? Some of you are like, I don't want to be like my husband. No. Uh, I want you want your kid to grow up into you. He says, We are God's kids and such as we are. And we're not really sure what we're going to be. But we know when we see Him, guess what we're going to be? We're going to be like Him. Now, you could spend a year contemplating that one verse, I'm pretty sure. You see, kids grow up to be their parents. You had this old nature from Adam, but you have a new nature from the new Adam. You had an old nature from physical birth, but you have a new nature from spiritual birth. And John says in chapter 3, verse three or verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. But you know, spiritual growth is not like natural growth. Jesus would say a man needs bread and water to live, but a spiritual man cannot live on bread alone. What does he live on? By every breath, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You need heavenly bread, which is Jesus you need spiritual life, spiritual water, which is the Holy Spirit. And he says, natural man takes in natural food and he grows. So what happens if a spiritual person doesn't take in spiritual things? You don't grow. You are stunted. You're going to stay where you are. And something that's not growing, listen to me, something that's not growing is probably dying something not growing is probably dying. You know everything in nature that's alive is growing, it's moving, it's a tree in your yard. If it's, if it's alive it's going to be changing every season. It's going to be getting bigger. It may get pruned, but guess what, it's going to keep growing. It's moving. There's, there's life on the inside of it, but a spiritual life doesn't just happen like a natural life. It has to take in spiritual things. Here's what, here's what Paul would add into that, that in Romans 8.14 for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. The spiritual man requires constant things. It requires constant prayer, connection with God. It requires constant taking in the Word, my Bible reading every day. It requires fasting at times. But more than any of that stuff, because we can make that religion, that spiritual man requires a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The Pharisees had all the Bible knowledge, the Pharisees fasted, the Pharisees prayed, but they did not have a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, whoever is a kid of God is being led by the Holy Spirit. So here's my question to you. What did the Holy Spirit tell you this week? Come on. What has the Holy Spirit been saying to you lately? Where has the Holy Spirit been taking you in this last season of your life? He says being led. Being led means and reflects movement. Going from point A to point B. You know, the Holy Spirit is here to help you grow. He's here to help you grow. He says, and such you are. But you're not quite sure who you're becoming. You need to know that you're growing into something else because who you are now is on the way to who you will be. And the Holy Spirit is an advocate. He's here to help you go from A to B, to get to what the journey that God has for you. Be Why? Because you are God's kid and you should be growing up. Somebody say, growing up into whose image? His image. So it's the question, are you more like Jesus this year than you were last year? Are you closer and more mature in your spiritual journey than you were at this time last year? How has your spiritual journey been this last year? And what is it going to be this year? I encourage you to go listen to that lesson that we had last week. We redirect. Got to make a moment. Got to make a plan of where I'm going. And the same is true here. We are children of God. So here's the question. Do you know who you really are? Are you stuck? Because if you're a kid of God you should be growing up into His image. And that journey and that day is going to continue to grow until you meet Him face to face. Whether in death or whether at the second coming of the Son. I want to keep growing until I see Him face to face. Somebody say amen. That's the problem was, I don't know who I am, but then when I find out who I am, we are, in the next word he says, we will be. So, point three, we will be. What will we be? You know, I wonder if that caterpillar knows he's going to have wings one day. Now, probably not. I have not talked to many caterpillars in my life that I know of. All right? You watch Alice in Wonderland or something. But, but he said, I wonder if he's thinking, if he, you know, he's thinking, man, I wish I could jump to that tree over there. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if I could just travel across the world? Wouldn't it be nice if if I could see from a higher perspective and he tries to climb the tree it takes him forever? But does he know that one day he's going to go into a cocoon and come out and be able to fly? You know these caterpillars can do some amazing things? I looked it up just for the sake of today. There's a a caterpillar called the Painted Lady Butterfly. It travels, listen to this, 9,000 miles not nine, 9,000 miles from Africa to the Arctic Circle. 9,000. A little bug. God has made it to travel 9,000 miles. You know the monarch butterfly? We have those here They go across America. The monarch butterfly is only four inches wide. But it can migrate 3,000 miles from Canada to Mexico every year. 3,000. Now, please don't kill these things. When you see them, that poor thing is on its way. It's on its way to somewhere. Come on. 3,000 miles? That's amazing. That little bug in that yard was thinking, you know, I just can't get over this caterpillar life. I wish I was like the grasshopper. I wish I could have the trophies all they had. Man, I wish I looked like him or her. I wish I could get along. I wish I had a bigger house. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And he doesn't know. He is on his way to something he can't even imagine. Now, if that's what God can do for a bug, what do you think he has in store for his kids? WHAT DO YOU THINK IT'S GOING TO BE LIKE IN ETERNITY WHEN YOU REALIZE, MAN, IT HADN'T BEEN ABOUT THIS CATERPILLAR LIFE. I DIDN'T UNDERSTAND WHAT MY GOD HAD IN STORE FOR ME. IT'S MORE THAN I CAN SEE, TONGUE CAN TELL, HEART CAN IMAGINE. HASN'T EVEN ENTERED INTO THE HEART OF MAN, WHAT GOD HAS IN STORE FOR THOSE WHO LOVE HIM AND ARE CALLED ACCORDING to HIS PURPOSE. MAN, THERE'S SOMETHING GOOD IN STORE FOR YOU. AND IT MATTERS WHAT YOU'RE DOING TODAY AND WHO YOU ARE TODAY BECAUSE IT'S ON THE WAY TO WHO YOU WILL BE. MAN, I HOPE YOU GET THIS. You know, childhood, I said, leads to growing up into maturity... Um, when Beth and I got married, I think we were—I mean, we were dating or engaged. We were probably engaged. I think we took this little AI thing um, at, a, at a restaurant, and it kind of showed you what your kids could be like. It took your face together, and it made, like made you these. I mean, we had some ugly kids in this computer. And I'm telling you, we we're like, I don't know if this is going to work out if these are our kids. Well, today you can get on Facebook and look at these filters where you like age you. How many people have done that and let China know where you live? Okay, uh, it's true, by the way. You know, you put these filters on your face and you can get old and you can see who you're going to be, uh, maybe, in the future. But uh, have you ever looked at younger pictures of yourself and thought, I never knew what my life would have been, be like. If that young guy or that young girl had even known what the last 10 years, 15 years would have been, What if I could go back and tell that person, here's how it's going to work out, or here's how it's not going to work out, or don't get with him or her, or, man, your kids are going to be awesome. Hey, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay when that death or that thing or that something comes through. You're going to be all right. It's going to to pass. Can you imagine if you could go back and tell yourself? I, I remember growing up and not really even understanding what grown-up life was going to be. It didn't even come into your mind. You had no clue what responsibility was going to be. You had no clue what marriage life was really going to be like or parenting. You couldn't even comprehend it. Some better, some worse. But it wasn't even in our brain when we were running around playing with sticks and mud puddles what the future would help. And the same is true for you and for me right now you can't even comprehend what God has in store for you look in first Corinthians fifteen fifty one. John said and I'm gonna go to Paul but John said we know who we are now children of God but it's not yet clear what we will be other than we'll be like him let me tell you what this resurrection is going to look like and I'm done 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we'll be changed. That word is uh, in the Greek to change, to alter, to exchange, to transform. For this perishable will put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. What is he saying? That coffin is going to be like that cocoon. That death that was meant to kill you is only going to be there to resurrect you. You're going to go in for a moment. It's going to be temporary, but you're going to come out something you've never even imagined that God is going to have in store for you. What he goes on to say this physical body. We can look in theology. What is it going to be like, that physical body? You're going to have a new physical body. God actually cares what your body is like today. He's not just going to disregard it. He's going to use the body you have now, and it's going to become a new physical body. Jesus, when He was resurrected, He had that same physical body because the tomb was empty, didn't hold the body. Come on. And it, He ate, He had hands, He could touch, He could feed, but He also walked through walls. He could also appear and disappear. It's going to be a supernatural, spiritual, and physical body. You're going to be able to eat. You're going to be a person. It's going to be you. But here's the good news. You may not look like you. They didn't recognize on the road to Emmaus who Jesus was. Mary, uh, in, the, in the tomb, didn't really understand he was the gardener. And so we might get a facelift. I don't know. You might, might look a little different, maybe a little better, I hope. You know, uh, you're not going to look like you, but you will be you. You'll be, in essence, still you. So you'll be transformed. You'll be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye, but you'll also be conformed. Here's what Philippians says in chapter 3, verse 21, that he's going to transform this humble body, but he's also going to conform it to his glory. That word glory is radiant splendor. Do you remember the moment that Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration? You know that word is the same word that we use for the butterfly, it means metamorphosized. When Jesus walked up that mountain, he was metamorphosized. His face began to glow. It began to radiate. And Paul and John and these guys begin to say this. This is what it's going to be like for the believer. You're going to be a new physical body. It's going to use your old body, make you a new body, but it's going to have the glory of God. Matthew 13, Jesus said, you'll shine forth, or sorry, Matthew 17, verse 2, you'll shine forth as the sun. Daniel said in chapter 12 that the saints will shine forever and ever like the stars. You're going to glow, y'all. It's not going to be this glow party as we have on earth. It's going to be a radiant splendor. Like Moses when he went into the tent with God and he spoke with God face to face. What happened to his face? He glowed that he had to put a veil on You are going to radiate. Listen, you're going to radiate the glory of God. You're going to see him face to face when he comes on that day. And John says, we don't know what we will be, but we know that when we see him, it's going to be like Moses. His glory is going to become our glory. And we're going to reflect that glory back to our Creator. Just like we were meant to. To do from the beginning of time. You are meant to be in his, in his image will be fulfilled in that day. You'll see Him face to face. Everything will change. That spiritual body will be there raised in power and immortality. You'll be like the angels. You'll be glorified and sanctified. The Bible says your old man will fade away. You'll be rewarded with crowns of victory and crowns of righteousness and crowns of eternal life. You'll be glorified and sanctified, made holy. All the junk that so easily entangles us now will not be there to tempt us anymore because the tempter will be thrown away into the lake of fire. You're going to be with God unfiltered, unmasked, face-to-face, never feeling sorrow. He says He's going to wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more pain, nor death, nor crying, nor mourning over there. It's going to be like that moment when the queen of Sheba came to Solomon in first kings. And when she got there and she saw that great king Solomon and all of his splendor you know what she said? The half has never been told some good old hymns with that phrase. The half has never been told, and that's what it's going to be for you and for me. When you see that great and mighty king face to face, you're going to say, man, the half of it was never told to us on that side of glory. But now that I see him face to face and I've become like he is, I can't even begin to explain what eternity is going to have in store for us. It is going to be walking from glory, the Bible says, to glory to glory. I don't know if this is good stuff for you, but it's sure good stuff for me. This is my 401k right here. This is my retirement plan. This transformation though has already begun. You know uh, I read one author, he said if I could tell it to you on this side of glory that must mean that I'll be able to bring heaven down to earth. But thank God We can't comprehend it because it must be that glorious. If I could actually explain it to you, then it would be able to enter into your mind and it would be earthly, it would be the caterpillar life. But because it's something we can't explain, something you can only believe in faith, it must be more than tongue can tell. It hasn't even entered the capacity into this lower level what God is going to do when He takes you up into glory. But it's already begun because who you are now is on the way to who you will be. And how do I know that? Because 2 Corinthians 3.18, he'd write back to that same group of people, Kapalwood. He says, we are already being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Who you are now is on the way to who you will be. So where are you going? Who are you becoming? And is the journey that you have yourself set on right now, are you concerned with all the caterpillar life, the lower living, focus on he said, she said, having enough trophies on my kids' mantles, having enough accolades on my job description, worried about all the petty things in life, caught up with the depression of what I look like and don't look like, living in the drama of day-to-day life, and wondering, man, why isn't God enough? Where's God at in this situation? How come God doesn't love me? And why am I in this mess? And how come life's working out this way? And God your Father is in heaven saying, If you only knew what I have in store for you. Would you stand with me this morning? What do you do with this? He says it in chapter 3, verse 3. Every person who knows this then, he says this, purifies himself just as he is pure every person who realizes as a Christian who you are and who you're becoming you're going to purify yourself you're going to realize this awesome treasure this awesome privilege this awesome road this awesome plan that God has you on it is not meant for you to squander it. it's not meant for you to be depressed it's not meant for you to go through this life joining yourself with things you shouldn't join with He's got plans to take you from glory to glory. So how are you living that life? Every head bowed and every eye closed today. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? He's going to change your condition, but he's not going to change your position. Your position is a child of God. And if you're a kid of God, you'll act like it. You'll grow into it. You're, going to can, you're not going to be perfect, but He's gonna be. A, you have an advocate who's with you to help you grow, the Holy Spirit. But am I going from point A to B with the Holy Spirit's help? Am I concerned with this life, overwhelmed, discouraged, caught up with things I shouldn't be caught up with? Or am I setting my sights on what God is going to do?